welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jilly Flatty and Jesse Parker Humphreys. Big old curly weekend for Jilly. I'll drop that one in, didn't you? <laughs> Talk of the town, your hair. People were going off last night on social media and women's football show. It's not curly no more, it's fluff. It's fluff. It's fluff today. Zana texted me and asked who was on the show today, and I said, Jillian. She said, Tell her her hair looked nice. Oh, that's we had, I, like, I didn't even watch the, the <laughs> television show. We had multiple tweets about it on the counter press account. Someone tweeted in saying that you looked like Sigourney Weaver's character from Alien. But you don't know who that is. So. No, but when you show me the picture, that's how I look today. No, I look worse than that in regards to the fluffiness of the barnet. I wish you'd come in with it, just fluffy. El Natural. I'm what imagining like Monica and Friends when her, <laughs> yes. when the humidity, <laughs> when she's on the holiday and holiday in the Caribbean. <laughs> it's the and it's just, uh, but yeah, you're really you're embracing your, your natural look, and we love it. We really do Give love praise it. Praise to my mum, really. She's been pressurising me to um, wear it natural, so I've got to keep her happy. You know, Lil yeah. thinks she's got a new girlfriend as well. Keep, yeah. Lil's <laughs> like getting used Spice to me. Spice up your relationship. I was about to say, Fantastic, it, it's a win-win. Keep, <laughs> keep it interesting. <laughs> and then I turn over and she's like, oh, here she is. <laughs> here she is. <laughs> no, but genuinely, the people are loving it. Like, I'm glad. I, I've never seen such a positive reaction about someone's hair before. You really are the people's princess. I was a bit nervous, obviously, going on telly with it. But, you know, we move. Did you have to have a conversation with the makeup and hair person on the Women's Football Show about what you wanted to... What, what do you want to do with it? Well, or... I went in already done with oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I walked in and Tash Dowie and Kelly Summers were like, wow, we didn't know you had curly hair. <laughs> wow. And it just made my head look even bigger on telly. But no, the makeup artist was loving it. She said, I think you've got beautiful hair. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I wish I was getting told that. I'd just put a hat on my head to cover it all up because it's easier. But, you know, you can't all have... She Flatty's wonderful. I've got some mousse in the bag. Maybe we can see if you've got a little wave in it. <laughs> I do like... When it rains, my hair goes quite curly and it has like a natural sort of flick to it, but yeah. not actual like curls, curls. We can work You're, on that. You've got a bit of, I got a bit of action. Waves. Yeah. Yeah, you get a little quiff going on. Yeah, if, I think my hair was long. I don't mean to be quite as curly as Jilly's, but... We can work on it. We can work. get the right products in. So back in the day, would you like straighten it every morning? Yeah. God, you must have killed... That's know, so my bad hair, hair. Yeah, my hair, I've not touched straighteners in, well, a while. But even like no hair dye no more, just all natural... Uh, she's a recovering addict. <laughs> so <laughs> clean. Crazy coming through. It's amazing, actually, because I remember girls at school who used to get up every morning and straighten their hair, and I'm like, how do you have time to do that? I broke my hair off once. <gasps> Sorry, can I just say this story, yeah? So I was going on a night out, and it was dark in my room for some reason. <laughs> what? So I, I Turn the light on. Why you the lights on when you get ready? <laughs> no, so I was straightening it, right? And then in the dark. I had this little, <laughs> this little side bit. No, listen to this. So I straightened it. Then I was obviously, it was dark, but mm. I could smell like, now that burning smell. Oh, no, Jilly. <laughs> so then I went into the club and that, and obviously it's dark in the club. <laughs> Wait, you didn't you smell burning, you didn't <laughs> even check. She did like, all right, off I, I go. You could have been burning the carpet. No, I woke up in the morning, yeah. Yeah. My hair had broke off. Yeah. And it was blonde beforehand. It was orange. Like it oh. had gone orange. Like, like this is So something about the straightener reacting with the dye. Yeah, turned like it. It, literally, my hair stunk of fire. <laughs> but obviously, because I'd gone out in the night, I didn't see it in no mirrors till I got up in the morning. Who are you, who are you out with, the Arsenal girls? They're not tell you. Who was no, it? this was like pre-Arsenal. This is like when I used to have like mates at home and that. We went to uh, 286 in um, Lewisham back in the day. Good place, oh. you know it? 
I remember Please it. Please close that. Yeah, I can't <laughs> say it's somewhere I've ever been. Can't say it's one of your faves. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so glad you said that story. Story for a Monday morning. Is that the one on the high street, like yeah. above the shops? I actually Opposite have... the fire station. Yeah, I actually have been there. I have been there. Was it a bar? Just a bar? Yeah, it's like... <sighs> yeah. What was it? I don't know. <laughs> you can't even give a name to it. <laughs> I spent my New Year's Eve there once. That sounds bleak. Honestly. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. wow, wow, Memories. wow. Memories. You learn something new every week about Julia Fatty, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, on today's show, we're going to be talking about that chaotic game at King's Meadow, Chelsea-Brighton, that um, nearly sent most of the audience into a spin with FA players' crazy angles. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Aston Villa, because we've got to talk about Aston Villa. They're down quite bad right now, so we're going to have a chat about that. Also want to give some love to Spurs, though, because Martha Thomas, damn, my girl. She's making waves. She's living the dream. You've got to I talk think, about it. I think you're a bit concerned she weren't going to score many goals at the beginning of the season. I think there's something to go back and clip up there, probably. Hey, she's a confidence <laughs> player. And damn, she's got confidence. We're going to talk about that. And then I also want to focus on Leicester City because Khadija, shout out to Khadija. I hope she's listening to this episode because this is purposely for her. But Khadija's a Leicester fan. She came up to me last week at the Baller FC event and said, you need to give some more love to Leicester. So I've been waiting because we gave a little bit of love, but not enough love. And obviously they lost that game to Manchester City. But I think this is the opportune moment to give Leicester some love. So we're going to give some love to Leicester City. Let's get cracking after this. Chelsea Brighton was the first time in what feels like forever that Chelsea didn't feature on BBC or Sky. But we all locked Ooh. ourselves in. <laughs> we all locked ourselves in for a roller coaster of a ride on FA Player. Apart from you, Jesse, you were there. Yeah. Although you couldn't quite see because there was a man with a massive hat in front of you. If you are standing at a football match and you are quite tall already, do not then wear a hat. That's my. What, what's the segment we're doing? Football X. Uh, Counter-press complaints. Counter-press complaints. That's my complaint for this week. Yeah. I said it was like Pharrell Williams. Becky made the better joke of Ashlyn Harris's hat. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was unnecessary. Like a real sort of like hunter's brim Yeah, hat. it was giving like, you know, the sort of cricket hats you get, which yeah. are like proper wipe. That that was the energy. Unnecessary, uh, especially in the standing bit. So who knows how much of the game you actually <laughs> saw. But it was a really messy Affair at Kings Meadow. And we talk about the Brighton Chelsea curse because Brighton have historically managed to, you know, get some results against Chelsea. But Chelsea still do have a pretty good record. Won both the games against them last season, which was the first time since 1819. So, like. Don't look at me. I know. <laughs> Don't look at me. It's not my problem. So, you know, even though they do have a good record, um, they've now won seven of their last. 10 WSL games against them. I think it's a, a fixture that does make Chelsea fans a little bit nervous. And even though it's not Hope Powell there and it's a very different team because they've like had a big window, still, well, that early goal for Brighton was like, oh my God, here we go again. The Seagulls curse is alive and well. I mean, the first half felt very Chelsea Brighton coded because you had a silly Brighton goal, which you're just like, how did they score that flashbacks of sort of the when they beat us? Because we had that like crazy unbeaten record at Kings Meadow. Yeah. We're on an, another very long winning streak. And then 
Carly Telford unfortunately didn't cover herself in glory and we lost it. <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, like not again. And then like Sophie Bagley was pulling out all these mad saves and that's also like obviously part of the Chelsea Brighton curse is that whoever Brighton put in goal will somehow suddenly have the game best of their game of their career. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's going to happen here today. But unfortunately for Brighton, Chelsea have got an antidote to the Chelsea Brighton curse and it's Johanna Rittin-Canerid. No, it's... Johanna uh, <laughs> Rittin-Canerid is always very good against Brighton. She came on at half-time but she was very good. Uh, no, it's probably Shokaniskan. We love her. Ginger giant in the midfield. We're going to get on cycling onto ginger giant. <laughs> um, you also felt like from where you were, obviously it was absolutely impossible to tell on the sideways landslide of a live stream that was FA player. You were saying Bremer's goal looked offside from where you no, were. No, I could not tell at okay. all. I'm not even going to pretend I could tell. I okay. just got some texts from people saying. How could they Bremer's tell? Was offside. From the live stream? No, from the West Stand. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it was literally like this. It was completely sideways. <laughs> I mean, the point was also made that if you pause when Katie Robinson releases the ball, Bremer's out of shot beyond Chelsea's line of defence. So even though it's sideways, you can mm. kind of tell that she's she's quite far gone. But mm. it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter because we won. Yeah, well... Um, let's talk about the changes that Emma Hayes made, though, because she's been... Loving the changes this season uh, yet again. She did a lot of changes last season. But the defensive unit, she is chopping and changing a fair amount. We always know that Millie Bright and Jess Carter are going to be the kind of solid part of that back line. In Opta's pre-weekend sort of stack pack that they sent out, uh, they put that Jess Carter and Millie Bright are two of the three players that have completed the most passes in the WSL this season before the weekend. So that hasn't been updated yet. But obviously, like so much of how they play goes through them. But Emma Hayes has made a lot of changes this season. We have the return of Akron Trimberger in goal whoop, whoop. and the return of Katisha Buchanan. Whoop, whoop. The three at the back that plus Berger. <laughs> it, Jilly, it was giving nervy vibes and that first goal I think spoke to a defensive unit that had not yet played together this season and the comms were all over the shop like Buchanan didn't know whether she needed to stay she needed to go she then completely fell out of line with the rest of the pack and that ball just drifts in and everyone's like oh shit there's a ball behind me and someone's gonna slide in and score I think um it was a real warning sign the whole match about the risk you take by doing those changes and bringing in two players who we haven't seen this season, who also are prone to a few oopsies, you know? For me, um, I mean, this just is just my opinion. Um, I'm just not, I'm not convinced on Buchanan yet. I think, I think she's a good centre-back in the sense of when she has a lot of time on the ball and when she doesn't get pressed. She's obviously she is good. She's good distributor of the ball, but I just feel she's very chilled. She's very I don't know, like on the back foot a lot. And I think if you're looking at the French league, Leon PSG they dominate that week in week out. So a lot of the time, and and I think Leon have that respect that they where a lot of teams probably sit in and bank, and it's a lot of possession at the back. But and WSL, I think it's just so quick. And you're looking at the goal. There was obviously a change because Millie ended up being on the right and Kadisha went into the middle. And then 
No one, even Millie, no one was aware of where any of the players were. They was all ball watching because a player run off of Kadisha's back shoulder as well and was just in the middle. And I feel like she's one of them defenders who reacts once the ball's already there. Then she's like, oh, like I've got, that's my player. Um, and it could be a confidence thing as well. Obviously, she's had a bit of a troubled season last year in regards to the penalties, a lot of the fouls she gave away, which I think was a reaction to her being on the back foot. She was never on the front foot with things. So, yeah, I mean, I think she's a good defender, but I just think for me, like, I feel like with Marin, because she's older and because she's probably aware of in regards to pace, for me, her positioning is one of the best in the game. Like, I watch her and I just think she always gets there. She's always aware. And I think that's because, one, she's a very good experienced defender, but two, she's aware that she doesn't have the pace as other players do. So getting that right is key. But again, you need players to be playing in games because if there is injuries and players come in, they've got to be up to speed with it. So, And it's a tough game, Brighton, as well. So it's a good game to chuck her in. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not just fully convinced at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably fair, like all of Jilly's analysis. And I think at, at Chelsea, there's a, probably a feeling that Buchanan maybe is almost like a fourth choice centre-back mm. at this point. I certainly agree that I think Mielda's looked a lot better. Obviously, she played a lot at the end of last season and, and when she's played this season. But I think it is that, it's exactly what Jilly finished on. It's that Hayes freaks out about injuries. Or doesn't freak out. I think she's aware that you're not going to go through a season with all your squad. I mean, Chelsea played yesterday without Guru Wrighton, who's going to be out for a while, Melanie Leupold or Aaron Cuthbert. And... Chelsea went into the end of the Champions League without Millie Bright or Kadisha Buchanan, who were the starting centre-backs at the start of the season. So I feel like that's why it's this attempt to get players to play um, so that if stuff does happen, they are ready to come in and you sort of sacrifice some of that communication stuff. And also I think it's interesting, like Hayes is also figuring stuff out. Like, yeah, they started so... Kadisha Buchanan was in the middle and Millie Bright was on the right. And after about 15 minutes, Hayes was telling them to swap because Chelsea weren't winning any of those first or second balls because Buchanan just didn't have the physicality to go up against Bremer, who's actually a lot bigger than I realised. Like, she is like quite a chunky centre forward, although obviously she was sort of playing on the left in this game. And I think that, again, speaks to the fact that Hayes is trying to see like what is the best combination of these different players that's going to allow her to do what she wants in different games because there will be games where teams will set off Chelsea more and then having a player with like Buchanan's ability to drive forward with the ball might be worth it but yeah I mean obviously look Buchanan came off at half time I felt like that was less a reflection on her personal performance and more a reflection on Chelsea's general tactical setup and where they wanted bodies on the pitch they wanted I think to have an extra winger higher but yeah it felt to me and I thought AKB was the same because she made the mistake for the second goal it looked like players who hadn't played any football yet this season I wanted to ask about Berger because there were a few hairy moments where she sort of played it out to Carter Carter that chance just before Brighton get their second goal late on where Carter kind of fumbles under pressure a little bit and it like, do you think now, do you think that was a moment to blood Berger for this season, then take her back out and bring Musevich in? Or is Berger now going to get run of games? It's so hard to know, but I'm just like, what is what is the goalie situation well, right Hayes now? said after the game that Hannah Hampton almost started, which I think is... I, I mean, you should be listening to the show. <laughs> I think that's a bit of a hazeism. But yeah, she, Hampton was on the bench, obviously. Um, which, which I guess was interesting. You know, there were players who could have been on the bench who weren't. Yeah. 
I felt kind of not proven right. But the HKB error, I was like, yeah, well, this is why. And it could have happened multiple times in the game as well. There were other sort of. I think multiple is extreme. But yeah, like, but it was shaky. But that's just AKB. That's the point. That's what you sacrifice. And she made some good stops as well. And maybe Musevic doesn't make those saves. So Um, let's talk about Nuskin, our eco queen, cycling to King's Meadow. We stand. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> also love that she nearly cycled into one of the assistants. Um, and That I, explains why the Brighton goal got given. <laughs> it was like she was really quite taken aback that she came so close over with her bike. It was quite funny witnessing that. I thought, that assistant is going to remember that one. And boy, <laughs> did she. Unfortunately, she didn't get a hat trick because that no, third goal was gone there. we refused to acknowledge this. <laughs> well, the Chelsea admin definitely refused to acknowledge it because they had a match ball, three fingers up, she was celebrating. Once again, impossible to see on FA player who got the final touch. She said after the game that she got the final touch. So whoever sure was is. doing the opta in the press box has a lot to answer for because I think that's the one that they would have gone down by as who had the goal. But yeah, it's funny because... I think we spoke in our preview shows for the season about where Nuskin was going to play. Bought as a defensive midfielder, but in that Roma game, she'd played quite high up. She has versatility to her. But yesterday, she was just like, I'm chilling in the box. I'm scoring goals. Defensive midfielder, who never met her? Who is she? (laughs) So, like... Is she going to play higher up? Was she just allowed the freedom to push up? Like, what? What is she now? Because I'm loving it. Um, yeah, so she started the game in the pivot with with Sophie Ingle, and she definitely went forward more than Ingle, as you would expect. And then when Hayes made changes in the second half, Jesse Fleming, Elena Changovic came on. Changovic went into the pivot, and Nuskin pushed up into the ten. I will say that, like, obviously, she scored a hat trick, but not all of that was necessarily from where she was playing like one of the goals was on the break so that's just mm. whoever's running forward the fastest obviously the third goal she is in a box and she was playing higher at the pitch mm. and the first goal it's like everyone was very you know Jess mm. Carter gets the assist mm. so everyone was pushed very high and she gets the header but yeah I think she obviously wants to play anywhere in the midfield and when she signed to be fair Hayes did speak about her playing as potentially an eight and she's always said like Nuskin played all of last season at Eintracht Frankfurt at centre-back and she normally plays at centre-back for Germany and Hayes has always been like, I do not see her as a centre-back at all. So I feel like it will be interesting to see how things turn out because I think she's kind of got the ability to play in any of those positions and I do think there's an extent to which... Hayes isn't going to trust her to sit in front of the defence right now, but that well, not might not solo, be the... maybe as well. Like if she had, I think there's a nervousness about Sophie Ingle. I think for the entirety of this season, but I maybe think if she had someone, well, I mean Emma Hayes thinks Sophie Ingle's that person, but also if she had, I mean Sophie Ingle is by default that person in Chelsea's team, but like if you have someone alongside her that can sit deep and be comfortable, then she has that flexibility. Whereas obviously. Emma Hayes probably doesn't see her right now as the solo option. She needs a partner in crime to give that protection. Yeah, and also, to be fair, most of the time that Chelsea play a midfield two, it's normally either one player goes and one player sits and they swap, or, yeah, normally if it's Ingle, you're going to expect Ingle to sit. So it's not, like, really particularly unusual. I do think what has been interesting to see is that when Chankovic has played the season, she's played in the pivot, even though last season she played a lot more advanced. Mm. And Nuskin's been the one that pushed up. Now, 
I really like Chankovic in the pivot and I think she suits there. But I also think that's a very interesting development in terms of what Hayes want from her players before she uses them in certain positions. Obviously, last season was Chankovic's first. She didn't play a huge amount of minutes. She missed out some time because of illness. But when she was played, she was put higher up the pitch. Now she's been there a year and suddenly she's the one who's being used further back. Like that might be something that we see with Nuskin as she develops. But I thought she was great. I thought the second goal in particular, like from all three of the players, well, all four of the players involved. It's a great tackle from Fran Kirby. Johanna Rittenkanerud gets her decision-making spot on. Lovely pass from Sam Kerr. And Nuska makes what could have been not an easy finish. You see players fuck up from that position, right? And she made it look very, very simple. So, yeah, I thought, you know, it was a great performance. And she got the assist for Aggie Beaver-Jones as well. So, just a great day for Chelsea kids all round. Lest we forget the uh, forgotten... Aggie Beaver-Jones. Yeah, it does feel like Emma Hayes is always sort of, with her new signings, there's always like a test that you have to carry out and then you have to see what pass mark you get and then you get <laughs> you get a role in the second season. It's like the first season test under Emma Hayes' It says how highly Nuskin is rated that she started two of the first mm. four games, I think, as a 22-year-old. Yeah, because we didn't see her coming in into West, that. We didn't see her in the West Ham game, which I felt like a real miss, but obviously Aaron Cuthbert kind of stole the show in the end. I did think we might see her in that, but uh, let's talk about Brighton because I think a lot of us were feeling quite good about them this season. Felt like they had a good window. Felt like it wasn't going to be like last season. But they've only had one win in their first four games. Lost the other three. They've had some tough games in that, but they've also had some tough games in which I think people, like the West Ham game, for example. Do you think coming out of the international break, Jilly, that they should turn a bit of a corner because maybe it's been a little bit disappointing? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously when Mel Phillips went in there at the end of last season she shored them up a bit got them a bit more defensively organised which you obviously saw coming towards the end of the season but I think for me for example the West Ham game I was banking on them to get a result there because how I'd seen West Ham really play compared to Brighton I thought Brighton were going to be the stronger team but yeah I think they've obviously got new signings in there as well which does take time to gel but again again I think if you're coming up against the likes of Chelsea you can't be too harsh in regards to where you are. Yeah, they should have been beating the likes of West Ham. So I think aside from you take the top teams out of it, the top four, whatever, they're going to want to aim to be the best of the rest, as everybody says. So I think they'll learn things from that game. But obviously they, they got a goal against Chelsea, which not many teams do. But I just think for them, it'll be international break, get back, and then a bit more time with, with the new players settling in. Speaking of best of the rest, let's talk about Aston Villa next. Well, it's been a very bad start to the season for Aston Villa. Four defeats in a row. Their worst ever start to a WSL season, even the year in which they came up. They lost three in a row, but then followed that up with a win. So this is their worst ever start to a WSL season. Carla Ward said afterwards that it was unacceptable and she took a lot of responsibility, but said she, you know, she was going to have to have a conversation with her players about it. They now go into an international break, which Carla Ward admitted herself isn't ideal because you'd like actually to have time with your players, right, Jilly, to try and sort out some of these things. And then you lose them, the majority of which will be going away on international duty. They are a bit of a mess. A lot, obviously, a lot of people have had them pipped to break into the top four this season. It's going to be a struggle now, having already lost four games. I think, what was that That bad run that City went on? I think, what, they'd lost three of their last four or something like that. And they snuck back into 
Champions League qualification. But I I think Aston Villa are up against them to try and get top four, given the way that United, Chelsea, Arsenal, City are all playing. But, you know, it doesn't mean that their whole season are complete write-off. They are currently second from bottom. And... We spoke previously about Kenza Darley's return and what that might do for them. And I don't think she's far off, like hopefully the other side of the international break. And that might give them some, you know, creativity going forward. But what these first four games have shown is that the defence is a bit all over the place. Collarwood's had to chop and change a little bit. We've seen Lucy Parker play at centre-back. We've seen her play a little just in front of the defence. We've also, she had to play right back at the weekend against Spurs. But there just seems like very little cohesion in that back line. Dom Salah's made a few errors now. Rachel Causey's having a pretty poor season and she's obviously that captain, that leader you need, that organisation, leading by example. Jilly, we keep coming back to defending defenders' corner, and you know your your insight on that. But that seems the biggest issue right now, regardless of Darley's return, Rachel Daly, that creativity, that spark, like that defensive unit is just not working. Yeah, and I think it's difficult because I think when there are so many chops and changes, you can't build that relationship. And you've got a brand new goalkeeper in behind you as well. So talking from when I was playing centre-back, she didn't come in till later because of the World Cup. You're trying to understand how she plays. And I think a huge part of a lot of their goals is communication. Mm. So, and, and for me, it's whether... Course, he's the communicator, but I know Lucy Parker's quite quiet after playing with her. I don't know how vocal Dom Solar is in goal, but it's all those changes as well. But I feel with me, I feel when I look at Villa, I see a lot of players who are like, it's not my fault. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, that's, that's not my fault. That's not my job. My job is this. And it's a lot of individuals. And I think the signings. The, some of the signs that they've made and they've got big, big characters in that team. I would not want to be a manager in that team at the moment um, trying to organise that. But I do feel like a lot is passing the buck and while well, I'm taking care of my player, my player don't score, that's not my problem sort of thing. Um, but I'm surprised because I looked at them against Man United and I thought they was it was harsh for them not to come out of that game or anything. You saw how well they defended against Arsenal. More so, Arsenal probably were making poor decisions, but they had in numbers there, which they didn't have against Liverpool. Liverpool, they were awful. Um, so it's that sort of consistency. You're not, if you was, if you got, you get yourself right defensively and you're hard to break down. Yes, they are missing Kenza Darley massively. I think they're missing Hanson as well. Mm. Rachel Day is looking a completely different player without those two players around her. But get yourself right defensively, then you sort of hope, and then in the actual break that you can get Kenza back, but at least you then, you're tougher to break down at the moment. They're just all over the place. And also Kirsty Hansen, I think has that like sheer intensity and desire, which I think other players get as well and absorb because like she is so kind of, so dynamic, works so hard, presses so hard. Like she's such a sort of like Duracell bunny in that midfield that when you lose her, I think that has knock-on effects as well. But that's three of their four games in which they've scored first as well, which makes you think it's a kind of mentality thing as well. Like there's a bit of a panic mode, holding onto those leads, managing a game is really slipping away. Whereas last season, we saw them really kind of come into their own later in games. You've been involved in teams and I probably maybe focus on West Ham, but you've been involved in teams where you've been on a slide and you've had to come together as a group. Like, what does that look like when you're at the training ground? You're like, obviously, there's not much time now because they've gone straight into international duty, but maybe it's when people come back. Like, do you 
do you strike a meeting and you have a leadership group who say like, look, we've got to air out some of our difficulties. Like, how does it work when you come together and try and fix it? <laughs> we had several crisis meetings <laughs> at West Ham. It was like every every Monday, it's like, girls, we need to have a meeting. Do you know what I mean? But also as well, you think they've got Chelsea next. So I know, that's what, there is no rest for the wicked. No, so I mean, it is difficult. And, and sometimes as well, I mean, when you call meetings in, you'll get the same sort of people who will talk. Sometimes people just say things, they think, oh, it's another meeting. You go out and things don't change. And sometimes that's what I think. It is difficult. It is. And um, you're just looking, you're desperate for that that first point or that mm. first win. It, it does become hard. And I think, obviously, I was captain at West Ham. So you took, I took a lot on myself. Like I'd go home and I'd be stressed out about it. And I'd think, oh, I don't want like a relegation. I don't want a relegation battle. Like it's, you, you even think about it now, they'll be sitting there thinking, obviously, they've got Bristol. But again, you're looking at how Bristol played. When you have another team like that in the league, you do think oh, we've got a bit of a cushion here. Like it was the and same. they've got two Conti Cup games, which I think helps as well. Yeah. But it was the same with, obviously, when Reading was in the league, when Birmingham was in the league. They've got good enough players to get themselves out of the situation they're in. They just need that first win. But it's sort of, you've got to put your egos to one side, your personalities to one side, and you can't play as individuals. You've got to play as a team. But how do you do that? If you're the captain, how do Send you... Send them home, mate. Kick them out. <laughs> Well, I, like, no, but like, actually, how do you do it? Like, is it about doing some kind of team building thing? Like, what's the solution? No, sometimes it is good just to have those meetings mm. and say, listen, and it's one of them meetings where you can't take anything outside of it. Like, mm. what is said is said. Any problems that are said, you say it here now. I was very much, though, I always had to have the difficult conversations. And I think I had the respect of, a, of all the players at West Ham where... I never got into an argument with someone, but I would say it straight because no one really could come to me. When I was at West Ham, no one could really come to me and say, you don't know what you're talking about or you've not really won anything because I'd won more than anyone there. So I was sort of like... Put some respect on my name. <laughs> you, can't come back, you can't come back to me and go, you don't know what you're talking about, Jill. Because I'd go, well, clearly I do. because uh, I do, mate. She on. does the same at Sky, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I've won more than all of you. I'll take my medals in with me, mate. They put on the table. But I just think a lot of the stuff that I said when I was at West was I've come from Chelsea mm. whereas I had that winning mentality bred into me from the moment I walked through that door and it's about having standards but mm. sometimes you need to have them difficult conversations and obviously a lot is on Corsi because she's the captain but also as well it helps when a manager does it because then like, I was able to go and rant to a manager and say we need this done we need that done we need this said because then when they do the meeting and then the manager says it no one's going to... They respect that more. You'd yeah? like to think no one's going to argue back at a manager, but they're the one who picked the team. So, do you know what I mean? It's it's their control. And they should be... Some things players shouldn't be dealing with. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, it's not a happy camp at the moment. Yeah, hopefully they'll, on the side of the break, be able to get some points in, or, and then get some results and good performances out of those two Codsey Cup games, that game against Bristol City. It feels like that Chelsea game is going to be tough, but maybe it's an opportunity for some of those players to also kind of prove a point. I would go, if I was Carla Ward, I would go full like punishment mode and do that thing where you change the team and really fuck people off. And then you're like, you uh, you got to earn back your place in this team. And I know her squad depth is not amazing right now. And you look at that bench and you're like, okay. But I would really change it to say that like no no one's place is guaranteed because I think when you've got a lot of big characters who experience, who have won things, who are coming into that team, 
I think standards slip. And the worst thing a team can ever have is a lack of competition in places. I think as soon as you reset and say, like, watch your back, because just because you are who you are and you did what you did last season doesn't mean you've got a guaranteed place in this team. I think that's what I do definitely for the Conti Cup games and maybe for that Bristol City game, just to keep people sharp and moving. Because I think you can easily kind of start to, like, blame each other, like you said, Jilly. Whereas if you say, like, no, everyone is equal here and everyone has an opportunity and everyone has a responsibility, I think you can then maybe get the best out of people again. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Jesse, what have you made and, like, what are your thoughts on Villa's poor start this season? There's a couple of things. I think to a certain extent, they've just had a really tough run of fixtures and that's compounded things being bad. Do you know what I mean? Like if you if you get like a Bristol or a West Ham or someone who you who you naturally feel like you can go and impose your game on. Do you early not think the, the Liverpool season, and Spurs games were that though? But I think look at like Liverpool went into that game against Villa having just beaten Arsenal. They were on such a massive high. And I don't think Villa were great, but I think that's a game where you're like you're coming up against a team who's really feeling themselves. I think it'd be interesting for them to play at Liverpool now. And Spurs have also had a great start to the season. And I think by the time you're at Spurs, like Villa know that they had Chelsea, right? Coming up, like that game like became like almost must win. And not only did they not win it, they got battered by Martha Thomas, who scored about a quarter of the goals she's ever scored in the WSL against them. I think it's very clear when you were watching Spurs compared to when you're watching Villa, how much of a better plan Spurs had. Now, I don't think this is always Villa's problem because I thought against Arsenal what was impressive was how clear their plan was. But it was obviously quite a defensive plan helped by the fact that Pacheco gets that free header and then you've got a, a lead to defend. But I think you could just see that, and I don't know whether this has come from the fact that Ward has really like change things every game you're seeing you know different formations different like midfield combinations used you've got Staniforth and Parker playing together in midfield suddenly Parker's at right back and I just think all of that is contributing to problems where it feels like when players are on the ball they don't know what they want to do with it and that then that then goes with the errors like you see Corsi make for that that Spurs equalizer. Because to be honest, at that point, Spurs weren't really battering down Villa's door. It's it wasn't very, they weren't in the game, but they had sort of they were getting nice bits of possession and then mm. it would sort of get to Grace Clinton, it wouldn't really go any further. And it felt like Villa had them at arm's length. But I think it's just those little bits of uncertainty which then invite errors. And then you just it feels like you see players getting distracted. When it you rains know, like, it pours vibes. Yeah. Ash Neville's second goal. That's just Adriana Leon not tracking a player, which mm. she didn't do for the entire match. And that's also Drop a Does she ever Drop track? Her. Well, but exactly. And then that, that, this is the other thing that's interesting, right? Like, lots has been made of, of some of Villa's great recruitment. But there are also players where you look at them and you're like, these are players who have been at bigger teams. And I'm not saying, like, if you move on from a bigger team, like, it's automatically because you're bad. But sometimes I think, like, it's interesting how much Villa's recruitment it's been like, because it's a name people recognise. They're like, this is great. This is, like, really exciting. And I'm like, there's a reason Adriano Leon wasn't in the Man United squad a lot of the time. And I know Mark Skinner can be a bit, you know, weird sometimes. But well, I think picky, some, picky, let's yeah, say. Yeah, okay. But I think sometimes you can also just be like, eh, maybe he was onto something, <laughs> you know? 
And I think that's just like one of those things. Sometimes you're like, what do you want from these players that you've put in your team? Because that Leon thing just felt like, and I know she won the penalty, but like that felt like such a like classic example of like, you are in a position where you need to batter down the hatchet. And I could have told you before the game that Leon isn't going to be the player who's sprinting to get back to help out Lucy Parker, who you're playing at right back for the first time this season. It's, it's those kind of then decisions on the sidelines that I'm just like, Mm. And when you're when things are going badly, you do do sort of panic a little bit, and you start to make more changes to solve problems, and it get kind of builds up on you. But I'm old school, and I would go like whoever performs best in training is getting a slot. So those good trainers, those people who turn up every day and put the hard yards in, they're the ones who are going to earn their place on the team sheet. And they're just because you're a big name, you ain't getting in my team, my friend. So that would be my approach. So anyone who's not going on international duty, who's hustling. Is getting a chance. You sound like Peggy Mitchell there. Get my pup. I'm real. I'm real. Like if I was a Sunday League manager, oh my god, everyone would hate me. I'd Can't be so wait to see. I wouldn't have a team. They'd be so annoyed at me. Can't I wait to see like, Simone McGill starting against Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, so let's do it, baby. Um, but we've got. We mentioned her there. But we've got to give some love to Martha Thomas because she is the top WSL goal scorer right now. She has her best ever. WSL amount of goals, only four games in. So, of course, we stand. And Robert Villaham said afterwards about her being a confidence player and obviously it hasn't worked for her at certain clubs, but now she feels like she's got someone backing her. You know, she's really excelling. And I think that, you know, just sums up, and we've spoken about it before, but sums up Martha Thomas to a T. And when she was at West Ham, we saw that with the documentary when we talk about meetings, there's that, famous scene which sounds like it's a movie but that famous scene in which Martha Thomas gets <laughs> it is our movie it's our, our movie greatest movie of all time Oscar traumatized <laughs> me um and the way Martha Thomas like pours her heart out with her teammates about how tough it is and you can see that she cares deeply and we know that she is one of the hardest working players to come up against she's so athletic she's so fit and she presses so hard but it's that confidence that's always felt like it's been missing so much of her career like where she's got herself in good areas in good places and she just fluffs that chance. And now that she's feeling herself and she's got that confidence and she's smiling and loving it, the goals are coming thick and fast. And I absolutely love it. It's just so nice to see. Yeah, I love Martha. Obviously, I played with her at West Ham. She's a really good girl. And obviously, she got the move to United and obviously didn't play as much. And then when she did play, sometimes she was put out in the wide areas and... Just watching the goals that she scored, if you could ever box confidence and box it up, it's it's that performance. You know, for the first goal, picking the ball up from Rachel Corsi there, how far out she looks up, the audacity to try and have a shot there. But you would never normally see her do that, but that just shows where she is right I now. I heard Declan Rice watch Martha Thomas do that before <laughs> the Chelsea-Arsenal <laughs> game. Oh, it was so good. But normally she'd pick the ball up and she'd run there yeah. and she would run and she do just it. Thought, nah. Even for the, was it the third goal? When she picks it up as well, she takes a touch, bang, finish. Obviously the, the second goal is a rocket into the net, but that is confidence to a T. And that's why I hope when Beth comes back that them two play together because putting Martha out wide right she's she's doing the business central it is it will be difficult with both of them but I think they'll actually work really well together Martha has played in the 10 before when she was at West Ham playing just off but I think they can work together and you've got a lot of attacking creativity and goals there have you been 
pleasantly surprised about Spurs this season. I think they've had a better start to the season than I thought. And I think uh, Wilhelm's done a really good job so far. I think you could tell that there was obviously talent in that squad. Maybe they still haven't got the depth across the pitch. But I think in all their games, they've put up a good fight and played well and have becoming hard to play against which is like what you need to be really yeah and I think it's kind of interesting because it's sort of the opposite of the Villa effect where you bring in the big names and it's not to say that that doesn't always work because Spurs did bring in big names but more like you know Beth England is a big name they paid a huge amount Mm, of money for her for example and she bailed them out last season but I think you just saw with Spurs in this game and we've seen in the other games that they just look like a very well organised team a team that is going to be hard to break down. I think there are still issues within it. I think Ebony Salmon got the better of Angara James a number of times. And I feel like that long term, playing her at right back doesn't feel great. And I think on another day, if Villa's front three were more familiar with each other, maybe more comes of those moments of the sort of dangerous areas Salmon was able to get into. But yeah, obviously Olga Hinton has been great for them in midfield her and Sumanen obviously they're both finished I think that's like a really good pairing and Sumanen's a player I really like and I think Hinton just like adds a bit more guile in those areas I think yeah Grace Clinton's looked fantastic she was a bit quiet to be fair in the Villa game but she's obviously someone who can really link up that midfield and attack I still think maybe it's in the wider areas that I don't feel totally convinced by this Spurs team but I think they've still got players who are obviously exciting and they've got other options and they're only four games into the season I think what was really key and what's obviously been really important is they've got a new manager he's come in and I think you can see exactly what he wants to do with this team and I think that's like the best thing you can ask for and I think the way Spurs have been sensible like when you compare them maybe to a team like Brighton who've signed a ton of players and I do think part of the reason Brighton start the season hasn't been great is because you can see these players are still coming into the team that they're still building relationships like the amount on yesterday that Vicky Lasada was like yelling at Emma Kuhlberg like where she wanted her and Lasada's obviously the person they want to get the ball to and then she's going to put it forward like those things take time but because Spurs didn't they didn't go wild they were like we think this squad fixing problems we think this squad has enough in it okay maybe not to be a top four team but to be a top half team and I think that's probably true that that's allowed them you know there's a lot of relationships that are already there that then yeah when you're slotting in say players like Thomas like Hinton like Luana Bula in defense it's just allowed everyone to take that little bit further step forward yeah, I can't wait for my first trip to Leighton Orange to see the beatboxers. Never thought I'd say that. Last year was tough. I'll tell you what, I did a lot of games there last season and it was tough, but I feel like they've earned my return. So can't wait. Can we thank Zachira Musevich for giving Martha Thomas the confidence to play like this season? <laughs> True. She did with the team there. She did. Thank you. Uh, we've got to shout out Jess with the best Twitter name, Jess Club Party. Oh my God, so good. I'm going to see Jess Club on you Friday. Oh, I'll good. report back. Yeah, please do. She tweeted us on Saturday about the fact that at the Poundland Bescott Stadium, obviously WSL Heritage, bottles of Carling were only £3 because they were out of date. So they were selling them at a cut price, which I'm pretty sure is against the law, but fantastic scenes. Thank you so much for letting us know. You know 
that count press. That's what it's all about. Bargain beer. That's what we're all about. I'm I, just hoping it's there for after the international. I don't know <laughs> no, how many can games. Can you get ill from out of date beer? Nah. No, no, it's, no. A, it's a best before, not a use by. Just might not taste as nice. <laughs> yeah, I think if it was like um, IPA, you might get a bit of a a bit of a tummy ache but no not no, for no, lager no. It's, no it's normally just that the hops like fade so right. you might get some like weird sort of flavours like and especially with hoppier beers they might taste a bit and like, to be honest carling is already quite dire so like yeah. there's only how low can you go yeah. not might taste low. better it, anyway. it could actually taste better matured we'll try some Julie if it's still yeah, there when we go for the Villa Chelsea well, I'll game. let you know the next day if I can't <laughs> even get off the toilet <laughs> <laughs> oh god thank you so much um let's chat a little bit about leicester as well um someone also messaged about city's goal because nolly was saying will we be thrilled about the the quality of the defending for city's goal that they scored i don't think it was like not great it was like it was a nice passing move from city i will say um, i think leipzig's obviously frustrated probably because she could have done better i wouldn't say it's the worst defending i've seen in the weekend i but... think leicester they all of them, the defence, Leipzig, managed to like bring it back, even though they conceded that goal, the way they defended the rest of the game means it feels harsh to yeah. go in. It was on just them the first twenty minutes or so. It was quite shaky. I was literally having heart attack in the comms. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I know they could have see you could have had about three or yeah, four. Because I think if you if you if they're three and four new up in twenty minutes, you're yeah. talking a complete different game. But Obviously, coming, I think at half time, they made a little tactical change as well. They were so much better in the second half defensively, but boy, they was living on the edge. Well, this is our Leicester loving section because they've obviously had a really good start to the season. It was a tough game against City, but considering their aggregate score against them is pretty ridiculous. I think it was 14 1 coming into the game on Saturday. So they really kind of pulled it back with that performance. They're still sitting in fifth. That is their first defeat of the season. So there's a lot for them to be happy about heading into the international break. You guys were both there, so I imagine it's probably the first time that both of you maybe seen Leicester in the flesh. You know, last season, what was so impressive about when Willie Kirk came in was how brave they were, how they were willing to take teams on. Sometimes they were sort of living on the edge a little bit. That was that game against Manchester United where they really took it to them. But then because they push high, they have quite a high defensive line. They press, like they're easily turned over and concede goals. And that's what happened in the Manchester United game last season. But then there are so many moments in which they do impose themselves on the opposition. And that kind of confidence now with a better squad is really, really coming off. And I've been so impressed, Jesse, with just how intense their press is. And although they haven't got as many turnovers as other teams that kind of press nearly as much they are the second best in the league for the fewest amount of passes that an opposition is doing before they're kind of intercepting and turning over the ball so that intensity that Willie Kirk's brought to them which obviously creates opportunities like they were basically that game was just end to end because they were matching City's press and to go toe-to-toe with Manchester City, given you've been absolutely pumped by them in seasons in the past, and nearly get a point out of that game, was really, really impressive. Yeah, I think Leicester are probably my favourite team to watch this season out of possession. I think they do press really well. I thought it was clever from Willie Kirk to change things up in this game. They moved away from sort of the 4-4-2 they'd used against United, played a sort of... Three, four, two, one. But it works really well. Put 
some more defensive players into that sort of midfield area. Obviously, we know City like to bring Alexandrian and kind of make a box midfield. So like Leicester sort of were able to go man for man with them in those areas. I think where they struggled early on was Bunny Shaw's movement. She was dropping a lot and Sophie Howard didn't really know whether to go with her. And when she was, that's when you were then getting those runs sort of coming in from Chloe Kelly. And obviously she's really fast. And I felt for a lot of this game where I thought Leicester were falling down, which isn't necessarily their fault, but it just felt like City were the physically better team, that they were stronger, that they were faster. And that's how they were getting into more dangerous areas. But I felt like as the game went on and City began, you could tell they were tiring as a result of the intensity of the press that Leicester were putting on them all the way across the pitch. And Leicester did keep turning over the ball in those high areas. I think the problem was was that they weren't necessarily then able to sort of get the shots off. Um, Although they did have good chances. And I will say, if you were having a heart attack about Leicester's defending, Kiara Keating was the player who was giving me... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a heart attack because oh my god some of those she didn't get caught out she was very casual wasn't mm. she but I think she will get caught out at some point I don't think I know there's like a lot of like uh, it's trendy tactics at the moment around like baiting the press and goalkeepers doing that for me not on my old school watch you wouldn't be doing that if I was a coach <laughs> tell you that much don't for piss me, about on the ball it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like or it doesn't feel very clever to be doing that and I thought as well you could see in the when it came to like claiming crosses she'd struggled in those areas as well. and I think City got away with that a little bit I've ultimately because City could have been 2 or 3-0 up I'm not going to sit here and say like oh Leicester really deserved a point but Leicester could have scored mm. definitely but yeah I think Kirk has that team so well organised there's some really exciting players within it as well like Shannon O'Brien someone I've really enjoyed watching for a long time thought she was really good and in the second half, like I thought Howard was all of those issues that in the first half she had was sure. She just she just was a bit more intelligent with like taking that little bit step further step back so Shaw couldn't sort of drag her and spin her. Um and it was those kind of in-game changes that I thought was really impressive. That back line as well, we talk about cohesion and blend. Thibaut, who I'd sort of thrown out in our transfer talk but only because I'd watched a few clips and I liked her CV and her carve her jib. She's blended in really quickly and adapted, I think, quite quickly to the league, given she's, you know, never played in England before. But Howard, like, the Nevin, like, the relationships between that whole team, not just offensively, but in the midfield as well, like, is really, really good. And where we've seen other teams struggle to have that cohesion, I think Leicester kind of epitomise a unit that is working together and they understand each other right now. And you can get so much success from that. Yeah, and I think they've just got each other's backs too. I think I'll, I'll give CJ Bott player of the match because... Well, in the, I mean, it was hard. I think both her and Sophie Howard really could have could have shared that. But she was playing like right side centre back, and she was covering the whole way across to go. And there was a couple of times she could have stuck one on Lauren Hemp, and she sort of flicked it over her foot. I was one in the old school tasty meaty smash up put her in the stands tackle. Um, but they have they they work together and they've all got each other's back. And I don't think they're a problem defensively. But I think if they play how they did against the likes of Man City and they have that confidence, then it's exciting to see them when they play against the the likes of West Ham, Liverpool, Brighton, because I do think that they will pick up a lot of points going forward. Leicester City, Arsenal, 
in a couple of weeks, 6.45 on a Sunday on Sky, I will be there because I feel like Not that in, could... real li- in real life? No. Because I'm... I need to raise something actually about going to Leicester in real life. Why did no one tell me that the Leicester ground is on a road <laughs> called Raw Dykes Road? <laughs> yeah, I saw your tweet. That was funny. That was really funny. What the fuck? Did you drive up there or did you get trained? No, I got trained. Oh my. Did you? Where did you go from? I went from St Pancras. Oh, we should have sat together. I no, got, I went from Euston. I got in so much. There was ta- train cancellations, yeah, yeah, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. It was awful. I went home from St Pancras. I run from the. Pancras, I, I run from the for the for the train. I've not run ten months. <laughs> I was out of breath by the time I sat. Training down. for the marathon, isn't it? Honestly, that's the longest run I've done. <laughs> Before we go, we've got to shout out a bit of pot noodle action because we had two pot noodle related tweets. <laughs> Uh, from what do course. we like? We like off beer and pot noodles. <laughs> <Cheese. laughs> such good, such good uh, chat over the weekend. So we had Ellie who sent us a pic of her gorgeous afternoon at the Chigwell Construction Stadium. She sent us a pic of her pot noodle in the sunshine. Glorious, Ooh. glorious, glorious weekend. But then we had Jesse, and then we had two two Jesses, two, a Jess and a Jesse over the weekend. So Jesse took her neutral Arsenal supporter with a light Liverpool bias girlfriend to the Chigwell construction stadium. But what she a was, date. She was, that is how to treat a woman, I tell you. She was deeply disappointed <gasps> because that she says they put too much water in her girlfriend's pot noodle. We have a picture uh, and she wanted to submit an official complaint. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, I'm going to show you here in the studio. It, it's, it is a little bit watery. I thought so, pot noodle was supposed to kind no, of No, but like I think that. you want to, I like it a little bit thick, you know? You want a oh, little bit. Do you? <laughs> 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 you, want, you want a little bit. You want a bit of computer right now. No. <laughs> no, you want a little bit more substance to it, you know? You don't want it like a soup. You don't want it soupy. Just drink it. No. Come on. No, I have to I have to like the the picture, her girlfriend's looking very disdain, <laughs> very disappointed. What do you expect? You are at Dagenham. Do you know what I mean? Come on, like that's how they do it at Daggers. It's the Chigwell Construction Stadium. It's you know, it's what it's all about. It's Just all give about them the feedback noodle. though. She should have gone back and given feedback. Yeah. Said this uh, next pot noodle, can you not do as much water, please? <laughs> I don't know, I'd be a bit scared that yeah, would, I would, I would actually. Um well, we've got a really fun few episodes coming up as well, actually, with a little bit of homework. So we're going to be in on Thursday doing our next Gen England 11, which is very exciting. Me, Jillian, and Jessie doing that. And then next week, guys, there's some homework because Becky, Jessie and I are going to be reviewing the Wagatha Christie documentary on Disney+. Plus. So I've given you your homework now. You've got plenty of time to watch it. How many episodes is it in total, actually? I've just started it. I don't know. I've watched two so far. Enjoying it. I'm only halfway through the first one and then I kind of got distracted by Big Brother. Um, but <laughs> We're it is... not doing a Big Brother review. <laughs> well, we will at some point. I will be forcing <laughs> I'm that. I'm not binging that. <laughs> I will be... Have you been watching Big Brother? No, I haven't. Jilly. No, I, I thought that would be so busy. I would have thought that would be a Jilly. No, I've been so busy. Oh, it's good, guys. you got to watch it. Honestly, it's really good. You'll have to pay Flops's £2,000 podcast appearance <laughs> fee and get them on to do it with you. <laughs> yeah, because the, we haven't got a lot of Big Brother watchers in my, t- in my algo. There's literally only a handful of us. But it is really good. Like, I would strongly recommend. But anyway, next week, make sure you get your binging in. We're going to be talking about Wagatha Christie, so you've got plenty of time. But for now, see you later, guys. Peace out. Peace out. See you on Thursday for our little England app. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your curly hair.
It's gone. <laughs> Side up. <laughs>